Well, on that note, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word of God today. We are starting a new series called Made for More. Made for more. And in, uh, here in late September, in our Rooted Bible reading, we are reading through the book of Ephesians. And so we're using that as an opportunity to launch into a, a teaching series on Ephesians. So we're actually going to spend six Sundays. We're going to go one chapter at a time through the six chapters of the book of Ephesians. This title, Made for More, I didn't make it up. I actually have to give credit to Exponential Ministry, uh, Todd Wilson and his ministry, that, that they made this title, and, and, and they put together teaching notes on, on the book of Ephesians. And so we've taken their teaching notes, and, and obviously we've done our own study and put our own heart and, and heard from the Holy Spirit on what He wants to say. But the idea of what we want to get across is this, is that corporately, as a church, we would embrace the vision that the church was made for more. And then individually, each of us as followers of Christ would embrace the vision that we have been made for more, that there is a more that is out there for us as a church. There is more that is out there for us as followers of Christ. There is a greater calling, a greater purpose, more to be done, more to be accomplished for the kingdom of God. We want to embrace that together and see what kind of shifts in our life to see what kind of movement would happen in our church as we study the book of Ephesians together. So today we're going to get into the first part, which obviously is going to be Ephesians chapter 1. And today the message is Jesus is more. If we're going to look at this topic of made for more, we got to start with Jesus because Jesus is our more. And without him, there isn't a more. There isn't a more to be accomplished. And so our goal today is to just shine a spotlight on Jesus and for all of us to receive a revelation of Jesus being more in our lives. I want to encourage you to find the notes. If you're listening to the audio of this message, you can find them attached to the audio on our website. If you're watching the video, you can find them attached to the video on your website or on our website, not your website. And you can also go to our church app. And the, the, the notes are digitally on our church app as well. So let's get into this. Jesus is more. Ephesians chapter 1. Our big picture point this week is this. Jesus desires to fill every corner of society, and the church is the vehicle through which he will do it. Listen to that. Jesus desires to fill every corner of society, and the church is the vehicle through which he will do it. So our, our passage today in Ephesians 1 is we're going to read 13 through 23, but I want to start with the last verse first. And that is verse 23, which concludes chapter 1 by saying this which is his body, right? It's talking about Jesus' body, and it's talking about the church. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, this is amazing. This is saying that the church somehow is a part of the fullness of Jesus, that somehow we are a part of the fullness of everything that Jesus is and everything that he wants to accomplish. Jesus is the head, but we are the body. And while the head is certainly the most important part of the body, because without a brain, a body can't do anything, the body is still important. And so Jesus is the most important part of the church, but each of us as his body 
are also important. We are the fullness of the work that Jesus wants to do in this world. We are the fullness of what Jesus wants to accomplish in the lives of people. And who is Jesus? He is the one who fills all in all. That's why we say he wants to fill every corner of society. Jesus wants to fill everything. He wants to fill every person's life. He wants to fill every family. He wants to fill every home. He wants to fill every community, every neighborhood, every city, every island. Jesus wants to fill it. But the vehicle through which he's going to accomplish that is us. It's the church. And so that is the the challenge that that we need to embrace. Jesus needs a church that believes it is made for more. Jesus needs a church with a bigger vision for who we have been called to be and what we have been called to do. And Jesus needs followers that live in the revelation of his fullness. He needs followers that live in the revelation of his fullness. He needs followers that have received all that he has promised and all that he is. And, and, and you know, they, they always talk about how as human beings, we only use a small fraction of our brains, that we have this amazing capacity, that we have this amazing brain power, and, and yet we only tap into a tiny percentage of it. I feel like that that's true as followers of Christ, that we have had so much made available to us, so much we've been given access to, There is so much in Jesus, and yet I believe we live our lives having only tapped into a small percentage of it, having only tapped into a fraction of it. And so if we can embrace that Jesus is more, and if as his followers we can have a revelation of his fullness, if as followers we can tap into a larger and larger percentage of all that he is and all that he has made available to us, I believe that it will take our lives to a new level and that we will live these made-for-more type of lives. And so that's what we want to accomplish today, is we want everyone to receive a greater revelation of Jesus. That's why we want to declare that Jesus is more. And so as we teach through our passage today in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to go through three sections of declaring that Jesus is more. The first section is the beginning of more. We've got to start somewhere. There's got to be a beginning place. And so we're going to Ephesians. You can go and follow along with us or we'll put it up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, says this. In Him, right, in Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. There has to be a beginning point, and I love this as as we get into this passage, we see the Trinity, right? We see that our salvation is in Jesus, but it's sealed in the Holy Spirit, but it draws us into God's possession, God the Father. We see the Trinity here, but the the beginning of more, it starts that we hear, right? We hear the gospel of salvation. 
We hear the reality that every one of us has sinned. And because we have sinned, we are separated from God. We are far from Him. And because we are far from Him, we are doomed to an eternity in hell, an eternity of separation from God. But that this God loved us so much, He didn't want to leave us far away. He didn't want to leave us doomed to that kind of eternity. So He came in the form of a man named Jesus. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died on a cross. Why? To pay the price for every one of our sins. Jesus paid the ransom so that we no longer have to be separated from God. And that if we would believe in Jesus, and that if we would surrender ourselves to Jesus as Lord, then we would receive this gift of salvation. Our sins would be forgiven, and us that were far from God would be brought near to God, and that we could live in a nearness to Him with a new eternity, a new destiny, an eternity where we are never separated from Him again. We have to hear this message, and then we have to believe in this message. We have to have that moment where we make a decision. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his gospel. I believe in what he's done for me. And I'm going to surrender myself to it. And when we do, God seals us with his Holy Spirit. Now, a seal is a sign of ownership. So when God seals us with his Holy Spirit, he's saying we belong to him now. We are a part of his possession. We are a part of his people. He has sealed us. Right? It says that the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge of our inheritance. This means it's a, a down payment. It's a first installment. God says, here's the first part of it as a guarantee that you have a great inheritance in the kingdom of God. You've got so many things coming for you. But here's the first. It's the Holy Spirit I'm putting inside of you. And then how do we respond? To the praise of His glory. We praise Him. We live our lives glorifying Him and lifting Him up and thanking Him for all that He is. The beginning of more is we hear, we believe, we're sealed, and we praise. Listen, we don't get the more of Jesus without surrendering ourselves to the gospel of Jesus. Right? This is not just some blessing dispenser where we can just go to the dispenser whenever we want and then we can walk away from the dispenser and live our own lives. No, the only way to receive the more of Jesus is to be surrendered to Jesus, sealed in the Holy Spirit, made right with God, and as new citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we suddenly have the more opened up to us. It's got to start somewhere. It's got to start in that moment of decision, the beginning of more. But the second section is praying for the more of Jesus praying for the more of Jesus. Let's go back to our passage in Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse 15, Paul says this, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul is saying, ever since I heard that you gave your lives to Jesus and and that you're loving one another and living in community with one another, I have haven't stopped giving thanks for you. And I also, every time I go to pray, I pray for you. And now let's look at what is it that Paul prays for followers of Christ. Those first ones, centuries, millennia ago, 
but also us today as followers of Christ. Verse 17, Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. He's praying that we would have a spirit of revelation. He's praying that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, right? That we would have a spiritual enlightenment. So you can see in your notes, we are praying for more spiritual revelation and more spiritual illumination. We want a greater revelation. A revelation means there are things that only God can show us, things that only God can bring into our hearts. Illumination, things that only God can bring a light into our spirits and illuminate and shine a light on something and teach us something that we never knew before. Paul's prayer for more was for more revelation and more illumination. Why? So that we would have the assurance of certain things as followers of Jesus. The first assurance is more intimacy with God. More intimacy with God. In verse 17, when Paul said that he wanted us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, it was in the knowledge of Him. More revelation in the knowledge of God. Now, we can mistake knowledge as the accumulation of facts. Right? I learn things about God. Or I learn things about this subject. I learn things about this topic. But knowing in this sense is not just about the gathering of facts. It's about experiencing and engaging, right? This same word knowing or the same word knowledge is also used when, when the Bible talks about knowing suffering. Now, when we know suffering, it doesn't mean that we gather facts about suffering. No, when we know suffering, it means we're experiencing it. We've engaged with it. The Bible also talks about knowing joy. To know joy doesn't mean that you're gathering facts about the topic of joy. No, it means that you're experiencing joy, that you're engaging with joy. And so when it says that we have a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Him, it's saying that we would experience God in greater ways, that we would engage with God in greater ways, that we would have more intimacy with God. And so part of this prayer of more of Jesus is more knowing Him, more experience, more intimacy more engagement. The second one is more hope. In verse 17, when Paul prays that, I'm sorry, in verse 18, when he prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, illuminated, it's so that we would know what is the hope of his calling. And so we would have more hope. We would understand that as a part of God's chosen people, that because we have responded to the gospel and we have been called into the family of God, that we have a hope that never fails. We have a hope that is above every circumstance, that is above every struggle, that is above every failure, that the more of Jesus means that we would live with more hope. That circumstances wouldn't have to stop us. They wouldn't destroy us. They wouldn't tear us down. They wouldn't consume us with fear. They wouldn't paralyze us. No, because we would be carriers of hope. 
And we would have a hope that is greater than every circumstance. We would have a hope that goes beyond what can be expected in the natural. We have the assurance of more hope, and we can bring that more hope to the world. The third one is more blessings. He goes on to say, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints? Listen, we have riches that have been in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We have all the blessings of heaven. We have all the blessings of the kingdom of God. We have all the wealth of God. All of it has been made available to us. And so if we would have a greater revelation of Jesus, we would have a greater revelation of the blessings that we walk in every single day. The blessings of our inheritance in eternity and all that God has prepared for us to live forever with him, but also all the blessings of the kingdom of God in this life. All of his goodness, all of his provision, all of his strength, all of his love, right? All, all of his protection, all of his mercy. There is so much. And that if we would have a greater revelation of the more of Jesus, we would walk in an understanding of how blessed we are. And finally, the fourth one is more power, right? He says, what is the surpassing greatness of God's power towards us who believe? That if we would have this revelation, we would understand how much power we have access to. We would no longer have to live in, in defeats because we have power to be victorious. We would no longer be stuck in sin or stuck in addictions because we would have the power. We would no longer be at the, the mercy of the enemy or, or the forces of darkness in this life or the things that he would want to bring against us. We would no longer be at the mercy of discouragements because we would realize how much power we have access to. And we would live lives of more power and more victory and more breakthrough and more freedom. Come on, praying for the more of Jesus, the greater revelation of who he is. The third section today, Paul goes from praying for the more of Jesus and suddenly he shifts and begins declaring the more of Jesus. So we're going to pick this up from halfway through verse 19 here in Ephesians 1. It says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And then we end right where we began in verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul begins declaring the more of Jesus. First, he says, this same great power that we have access to is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so what do we have in Jesus? What is the more of Jesus? He is resurrected in glory. The Bible says that he is the first fruits of all of us who are also going to be resurrected into the glory of God. 
Oh, that if we are followers of Jesus, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, then when we die, that's not the end of our story because we're going to be resurrected in glory. Why? Because we serve a God who was resurrected in glory. Jesus didn't stay in the grave, and we're not going to stay in the grave either. Jesus is resurrected. He then goes on to say that he seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so the more of Jesus is that he is seated in honor and power. God called Jesus home. There was that moment when gravity lost hold of the resurrected Jesus And he began to disappear into the clouds. And at that moment, God seated him at his right hand. Sitting at the right hand of a throne, sitting at the right hand of a king, was the seat of honor and power. And so what God did is he took Jesus and put Jesus in the seat of honor and power, that seat that he still sits in today at the right hand of God. What is he doing? He's interceding for us. He's using that position of honor and power to talk to the Father about us. He's talking to the Father right now about you. From that place of honor and power, he's bringing your name before the throne of Almighty God. And then he goes in, in verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, right? It sounds like Paul is trying to use every word he could think of right here to refer to authority, right? And Jesus is above it all. So in your notes, it says absolute eternal authority. Any word you could think of for authority, Jesus is above it. Rule Jesus is above it. Authority, he's above it. Power, Jesus is above it. Dominion, he's above it. Every name that is named, and and, and in the Bible, when it's referring to uh, being named or having a name, it's referring to a title. So every title, every king, every governor, every president, every despot, every tyrant, every title, every name that is named, Jesus is above it. Think about that. There is nowhere that you can go where you're going to be under the authority of a government or a political leader that, that Jesus is not above it. There is no spiritual realm where there is any authority higher than Jesus. Whether it's Satan or a demon or an angel or anything in the spiritual realms, Jesus is above it. And then it says not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That means there's no place in time where Jesus is not above it. Everywhere, all the time, for all eternity, Jesus is going to be the greatest authority, the greatest power in your life. God has put everything in subjection under his feet. Come on. The more of Jesus. This is the Jesus we serve. So how do we put this into practice? How do we take all of this more of Jesus? How do we apply it to our life? Well, John the Baptist said it like this in John 3.30. He said, he, Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. So what does that look like? Well, to try to explain this to you, I'm going to talk to you about golfing, all right? I didn't pick up the game of golf until I was in my 30s, and when I first went out and golfed, I was awful. It was horrendous. 
But there was something about the game of golf. There was just the challenge of it, or there was just that occasional moment when you would actually hit a good shot that just made you want to play more. There was just such a draw to it for me. And so I wanted to get better. I wanted to be good at golf. And so what I did is I tried to put every bit of effort I possibly could into it. So I put a net up in my backyard, and I would hit balls into a net, and I would watch videos and just watch tons and tons of videos on, on golf training and golf coaching, and, and, and I would uh, read books, and I would, I would buy all of this stuff, and I'd go to the driving range, and I would hit 100 balls, and I just thought, if I just put a little more effort into it, if I just try a little harder, well, you know what happened? I'd get out on the golf course, and I wouldn't have any fun. I'd get frustrated, I'd get angry, the worst of me would come out, and I never really got that much better. But then something happened. I had a revelation. I had a moment where I hit the ball, and I felt the swing, and the ball went straight, and it was great, and I discovered this swing that worked for me. And it wasn't anything I read in a book. It wasn't anything I saw in a video. Honestly, it's probably not a good swing, right? I'm sure a real golf coach would pick it apart and tear it apart, but it worked for me. And I had this revelation that I don't need to put all this effort in. I don't need to watch any more videos. I just need to enjoy golfing. And for the last several years, I don't practice anymore. I mean, I'll warm up a little bit when I get to the golf course, but I don't practice anymore. And I enjoy the game, and I've actually gotten tremendously better. Not amazing. I'm not a good golfer, but hey, I can score in the 90s, and on a magical day, I might even score in the 80s. But I had this revelation that I didn't have to keep putting in more effort. All I had to do was just experience this swing, and it works for me. And the ball goes straight down the course. You're like, what are you talking about, Pastor? What does this have to do with the more of Jesus? Because what I want to encourage us to do is to shift from a mindset of more efforts to a place of more Jesus. Because a lot of us have probably experienced the same thing in life that I experienced on the golf course. You keep putting in more efforts. You keep trying harder, and you think, you know what, if I just follow more rules, or if I just do more spiritual things, if I just go to more church events, if I just try harder to be a better person, if I would just put more effort in, I would get better. And what happens is, is you don't see the results, and so you get frustrated, and you're living your life from a place of frustration and anger and discouragement and defeat because you put in all the efforts, and you haven't overcome that sin, and you haven't beaten that addiction, and you haven't experienced the realm of the supernatural, and you haven't experienced the peace, and you haven't won more people to Jesus. You just haven't seen the results, and so you're frustrated. And so how do we put this into practice? We shift from more effort to more Jesus. How do we make that shift? More revelation. So instead of us trying harder and doing more things to try to be better, is instead we seek more revelation of who Jesus is and all he has done in our lives. And out of that place of more revelation, we'll experience more Jesus.
And as we experience more Jesus, we'll start to see the results that we want. We will see the victory. We will see the encouragement. We will see the power. We will see the supernatural. We will minister to people. We will change lives. We will see people one for the gospel. But it's not going to be because we kept putting more effort in. It's going to be because we sought more revelation. And out of that place of revelation, we live in the reality of more Jesus. Let me invite the worship team to come back up today. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you to find this place of more revelation instead of more effort. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop doing things for God. We'll get to that later in this teaching series. We are going to do things for God, but we're not going to try to become better people, more victorious people, more effective people because of more effort. We're going to find it because of more revelation. And so my prayer for you today is, first off, you find that beginning place of more. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, that now would be the moment that you would make the declaration, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died for me, I believe he rose from the dead, and Jesus is going to be the new leader of my life from this day forward, and you'll surrender all to him, and you'll find that beginning place of more. And then from there, rather than trying to try harder to be a better person, let's seek more revelation. Let's seek more illumination. Let's let God enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that inner spirit being within us. Let's let God enlighten it more so that we have a greater understanding, that we have more hope, that we have more blessings, that we have more power, that we have more intimacy with God than we ever thought possible because we find this place of more revelation. How do we find it? We pray. We walk with Jesus, we spend time with him, and we surrender our efforts and ask for the fullness of who he is in our lives. And out of that place of fullness, we'll fill every corner of society because we'll have more of Jesus spilling out of us. And everywhere we go, we're going to bring more hope and more power and more of the kingdom of God. And we will fill every corner of society. But it starts in the secret place. It starts with seeking more revelation. Let me pray for you today. Father, would the spirit of revelation just begin to go out right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, for everyone hearing this message, for everyone watching this service, spirit of revelation, go forth. Holy Spirit, begin to enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Holy Spirit, begin to teach us new things. Holy Spirit, begin to show us new things. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal to us things we've been missing, things that have been right in front of us and we haven't seen it. Begin to reveal to us how much you, how much you have blessed us, how much you have given us in the gospel, how much you have made access. Oh, Father, let us live in the wealth that you have provided for us. Not simply a, a, a financial wealth, but Lord, you have provided a place of wealth in our inheritance in the kingdom. Lord, reveal that to us that we might live in it. Oh, that we might live with our heads held high, knowing that we are loved and chosen, knowing that we are in your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, knowing that we are in your strength, knowing that we are under your cover, God. Reveal it to us right now. Let it go forth. Oh, Father, I pray that you would begin to reveal power that would bring victory in our lives. I pray that you would begin to reveal love that would 
would fill the emptiness in our hearts. God, I pray that you would reveal hope that would lift us up out of discouragement and depression. Reveal it now in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord. I pray for those right now that are surrendering their lives to Christ. Oh, that they would experience the deposit of the Holy Spirit. They would receive that seal that you have promised, Lord. That they now belong to you. Oh, and Father, there'd be something different at work inside of them. Something different. Oh, there'd be a fresh hope. There'd be a fresh encouragement. There'd be a new excitement about life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that are going to go forth because of the revelation that began right now. God, I pray for a more people who do more in society, but not because of more effort, but because of more Jesus in our lives. Bring us to that place of revelation. God, bring us into that secret place where the distractions are eliminated, where the busyness is calmed down, and in the stillness and the quietness, we would experience revelation. Would you bring it to us right now, Lord? We ask in Jesus' name, bring it to us right now.